I'm Ruthie, host of Out There, here on Valley Free Radio. Tune in for stories from the streets and paths of Northampton and beyond, Fridays from 4 to 5 p.m. Get out if you can, but if you can't get out, tune in. We don't care if we live out of date. We don't care we live a bit late. And yes, it is Friday, November 10th, November 10th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to Out There Today. I'm Ruthie here live in the studio. And as compared to last week and the week before, I have someone has someone plugged in the headphones. Because last week I came in here live to do my show and the headphones weren't plugged in and I had no idea where to plug them in. I tried every hole I could find, but it didn't work. And um, I emailed Mark Beauvais station manager, f- volunteer extraordinaire for Valley Fee Radio. Um, and we, I mean, it was he was at work, but it was too late. By the time I got the message, well, I was already too demoralized anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a little hole right under the slider board. You can't see it unless you get down in your knees. So I don't blame myself for not being able to find it. But it's funny, the littlest things that get you stumped in life sometimes. So for today's show, if you haven't heard already, my very good friend Dwayne G. Rainey passed away two weeks ago. That would have been October 24th. I was in Kentucky. Very sad. I got back the day after he died. And so it's been two and a half, two and a half weeks now. And Dwayne and I were very close. The first two weeks were really hard. Lots of intense grieving. And after about two weeks, I started to laugh again. (laughs) I mean, I couldn't have even really talked hardly on the radio the last couple Fridays because I would just be trying to take a deep breath, hold my breath, try to not cry when you're trying to talk on the air. So I guess, so for today's show, I have... Um, I'll have Dwayne's obituary that I wrote a couple days ago that went in the, it went online yesterday morning, I think, and maybe it'll be in, maybe it's in today's printed gazette, I'm not sure. And talk, I'll talk a little bit about the, the grieving process or what, what has to be done when a person you're really close to dies. Also, I have an interview with uh, my new housemate, Max, and Max's friend, Will, doing some apple gleaning on Fair Street today, and an interview with Enrico, who was blowing leaves on the rail trail, the Manhattan rail trail, between Northampton and East Hampton, day before yesterday, and I'll probably play some of the... Dwayne's music. When I say Dwayne's music, what I really mean is, so Dwayne had a show here on Valley Free Radio called My Generation for two or three years. When was that? That was probably 2018 to 2020, 2017 to 2019, something like that. 2016 to 2018. I forget. All right. Well, Dwayne... G. Rainey, 1960-2023, Northampton, Massachusetts. Dwayne Rainey, 63, died 10-24-23. He grew up on Sylvester Road in Florence. He spent three years and ten months in the Marines. 
he discovered his talent for cooking in the Union Street Jail and cooked for other fine eateries in Northampton. For many years, he frequented jails, rehabs, and campsites. In 2009, he quit drinking for good, got housing, went to Westfield State for a year, commuting by bicycle from Florence, getting an addiction counseling education certificate, and working at ServiceNet. Between the ages of 53 and 60, Duane hauled trash by bicycle with pedal people. He got in shape for that, partly by every Monday at noon for the previous three years, meeting his trash-hauling friend at the bottom of the bike path by a stop-and-shop, hitching to her bike, and towing her and her trash trailer up to the transfer center. He planted trees with Tree Northampton, maintained the rail trail with Friends of Northampton Trails, delivered food by bike with Northampton Food Rescue, fixed bikes at the bike lab, played a music show on Valley Free Radio, My Generation, with Dwayne the Dog Rainey, rode with a cape a split second on superhero bike trips. When he got the devastating news that he had throat cancer at age 60, he started Cans for Cancer 2.0 at Valley Recycling. Dwayne lived with cancer for almost four years, the last year being unable to speak. He rode his bike and later his e-bike to chemo, to the ER, and to work at C4C two days before he died. Dwayne leaves behind his special friend, Ruthie Woodring, son, Marcus Rainey, brother, Kevin Rainey, uncle, Doug Rainey, cousin, Keith Rainey. His wicked sense of humor, blunt opinions of others, generosity, strength, hardworking determination, and disregard for status are missed. Come remember him Sunday, November 12th at noon at Veterans Field in Northampton. That was Dwayne, some of Dwayne. I left out some of the parts about drugs, sex, and rock and roll. <laughs> well, I guess I mentioned the rock and roll a little bit. And I'm going to have more to say about all that, but here's the song. So after Dwayne died and I picked up his property from the hospital, so he died at Cooley Dickinson. Um, and when I got back from Kentucky, the day I got back, I went to Cooley Dick and picked up his bag with his jeans, sweatshirt, keys, cell phone, boots, and his cell phone, which I knew the swipey password to. I've uh, uh, opened up everything I, I can, but the, my favorite thing to open up is his Spotify account. Uh, Dwayne loved his music, and so I was listening to his most recent playlists that he made before he died, and here's a song that came up that I, I really enjoyed.
Olivia, Olivia Newton-John. Um, so Dwayne and I were very close. We were partners. Well, now that he's dead, I say we were partners. But at the time, I would when people was like, oh, that's your partner. I'm like, no, he's my boyfriend. Because <laughs> I would not have called him my partner at the time because we were just kind of like so different and and uh like wanted a lot of the same things from the relationship but then also wanted some some different things um but yeah we were uh, together like he was he was there for me like for those like six or seven years um always available to tow me up the rail trail to help us with cutting firewood bringing logs from the bike path on the bike trailer back to our house uh helping build the woodshed helping build the archway helping build all these things meeting me in kentucky like taking taking the bus by himself to knoxville tennessee to meet me there because i was in i was already there and uh also carrying a wheel of a bicycle the whole way i'm like Dwayne, i need another wheel in kentucky can you bring it down on the greyhound <laughs> So he babysat that wheel for me all the way. He met me, he, I think he met me in Iowa too for a superhero bike ride, taking the bus 36 hours by himself to meet me out there to ride for a few weeks. Um, anyway, so, and then I guess we broke up in 2017 or something like that. And then um, we were still kind of friends. It was a little raw the first six months or so, but we um, probably, especially for him, um, but we continued to be friends, and then when he got cancer, we got pretty close again. Um, and I, I kind of felt like he was he was there for me in his health, and so I was there for him in his sickness. Um, and that was his healthcare proxy, um, basically kind of like his next of kin, and would cover cans for cancer when he would have to go into the hospital or he would give me his apartment keys when he would go into the hospital so I could throw the rotten food away or clean things or bring him his phone charger or things like that. And when I left for Kentucky on October 4th, just like last month from my regular October trip to Kentucky, he had been getting real frail and I was worried he would die when I was gone. But and and he did. But uh, one of the things I had told him before I left, like the morning that I left, I I was going to say goodbye to him at Cooley Dick. We were supposed to meet. He had a chemo appointment that morning. And so I was going to meet him to say bye. And then I had a bus to catch to Springfield, New York, beyond. But he didn't show up for his chemo appointment which was unusual because Dwayne was always super reliable. And so when I went to catch my bus to Kentucky, I went early to his apartment to see if he was okay. And his bike was there, but he didn't answer his text. He didn't answer his buzzer. And I was like, oh, no. And I called him, even though he couldn't talk on the phone because he had lost his voice over a year ago. I called him. I heard the phone ringing. And then, and then he buzzed me in, and I go up there, and he had fallen and because he was on a new medication lorazepam or something like that so um yeah so I wiped up a little bit of blood off of him and he wasn't really talking much and we said bye we hugged and said bye and I was like I guess I'm 
getting on a bus to Kentucky now, and this may be the last time I see you. But what can you do? I had already postponed my trip a couple days. And I mean, like, I actually thought he was going to die last year when he ended up spending six weeks at Cooley Dick. But like, sometimes when you when you're fighting a long illness like that, I like, I can't be everywhere for everybody all the time. Because it was also important for me to go home and see my 88-year-old dad and spend some time with him. And But when I left in October, that day or right before I left, I had told him, hey, if, if you need me, if something bad happens and you need me, I can be back within 36 hours from Kentucky. Well, when he texted me on what was it, the 22nd, that was a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try not to cry because I don't think listeners want to hear crying on the air. I can cry when I'm in, uh, uh, what do you call it, real real life. Give me a hug around town and I'll cry. If I talk to you around town, I'll cry. I'm not going to cry on the air right now. But anyway, so when he texted me that Sunday on the 24th of October when I was in Kentucky and said that he was going into the hospital and it was bad because he was coughing up all this blood, I was, and I said, Oh, gosh, I'll see how fast I can get back. And he said, he texted, he said, no rush. Which I kind of understood to meant he, he's going to die before I could get back anyway, or uh, he, doesn't need, he doesn't need me to come back and see him in his, most, in his last grueling, coughing up blood, dying moments. He probably doesn't want me to have that image in my head of him. Doesn't want me to see him suffering probably you know how like dogs like Dwayne the dog rainy you know how dogs like to it seems like dogs like to go in a corner and die by themselves I you know I don't know if, how you know I, people want to die differently I guess like we all assume that no one wants to be alone but I don't know if that's necessarily true I like to cry alone I get in a good cry when I cry alone and if you know that you're loved and that you love people, and like if you feel the love, is it okay to just like die in, in peace by yourself? <laughs> Do you need your loved ones right there? I don't know. I guess everyone's different. The point being, so I didn't, the point being, I told them I would come back. I could get back within 36 hours, but that was a promise I couldn't keep. It's too hard to get from a remote area in Eastern Kentucky to Northampton without a driver's license and like in that fast. Um, uh, you know, in this day and age, most people probably think 36 hours is like you could, you could get so far in 36 hours, but it's just hard for me to get to and from my, anyway, and I was also like, he, like, he, it sounded like he was going to die that night. And I'm like, well, what's the point in me trying to rush back if he's going to be dead by the time I get back anyway? Yeah, the, we texted our goodbyes Sunday night. And, uh, um, and then he said, yeah, Ruthie, I'm sorry. They're just going to, they're just going to keep me comfortable till I pass. And, um, yeah, so I, he, he, he was alive for another couple days, though that was the last, pretty much the last communication that we had. And then I came back, well, he died Tuesday night, the 24th, and I came back the afternoon of the 25th. And 
for that Tuesday night. I didn't know he died till the Wednesday morning. I was on an overnight bus from Knoxville Tuesday night. I got on that bus at 8 o'clock at night, and I cried and cried. I had two seats to myself. I lied down in that bus, which is like a rocket ship heading up I-81 Express to New York City. Everybody was asleep, and I was just crying. I don't think I've, I can't remember having ever been so sad in my life. Whew. It was hard the very first few days, week, week or two after he died. So, so what has to be done when a person dies that you're really close to or kind of responsible for? Well, obviously you have to grieve unless it's like a lot of death. Like I think about like a wartime situation or like the Middle East right now or many different countries, places around the world where just people have one grief on top of the other. And then I guess you just have to go numb to survive. Um, but, uh, yeah, so grieving, that's important. And then you wonder if there's any regrets and if there are, you feel bad about them until you wake up one day and you realize how irrational you might be being like, I should not feel bad about telling Dwayne I could be back in 36 hours and not making it in 72 and he, him having told me no rush and us knowing that we loved each other and we said our goodbyes and all that. But still, um, sometimes it's hard not to, uh, there's a word for that. When you think about the same thing again and again and just around and around in circles. Well, I forget what that is. It starts with an R. I'm not going to think about that anymore. You're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm Ruthie Wadrink. And I see the clock says 422. So apparently I've been babbling about Dwayne dying for like the whole third of the show already. That's fine. I'm just going to keep talking. It's my show. Uh, also, when someone dies, well, you got you to gotta notify people. And you, of course, you're going to forget to tell some people that were important in this person's life and important in your life, just because you can't think of, remember everything all the time, especially not when you're grieving. Um, and then like every time you tell a new person, you bust out crying. I just think about telling a new person and I bust out crying. So I think it's nice when the word just spreads. I guess that's why they have obituaries. But if I've told you that Dwayne has died and uh, you know someone who doesn't know, please tell them. Save me the trouble. Next, I think I'll play another song and then I'll go talk some more about the grieving process for me. Sean and the P. 
Diana Ross. Thanks for listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie. I'm talking about my friend Dwayne Rainey, who died October 24th, 2023, two and a half weeks ago. Uh, oh, the word I was trying to think of before when you think about regrets and coulda, woulda, shoulda, and around and around, it's rumination. That's the word I was trying to think of. Uh, so, yeah, so after a person uh, dies that you're close to, that you're kind of responsible for, or next of kin kind of like to, well, then you got to clean their stuff. Um, so trying to clean Dwayne's apartment, like the first day going in there after he, he died, I'm so grateful. My friend Adele came and was there with me, and also Dwayne's cousin Keith was there, um, because to come into someone's house or apartment by yourself who's just died and like, what do I do with this stuff? <laughs> like, I feel like I would have just sat there and cried if I'd been alone. Um, but Keith and I told stories. Keith grew up with Dwayne. that's the same age. And so he told lots of stories about Dwayne back in the day. And it was kind of cathartic for both of us. And Adele helped figure out what to do with some stuff that I was clueless about. And... Uh, oh yeah, Pablo showed up and I gave him all of Dwayne's dirty clothes and was like, wash them, give them away something, I don't know, just help. <laughs> and I filled up Pablo's cars, <laughs> Pablo's car with with a, a giant mountain of clothes. <laughs> um, I, I was thinking about when my mom died four years ago. For the last year of her life, I mean, we didn't know it, we didn't know it was the last year at that time, but for the last year of her life, uh, a woman that was helping take care of her, one of the things she did was she made my mom get rid of all her old clothes and bought her some new ones. And that made things so much easier when she died because it was, it was just like, oh, the clothes she was wearing, we have no sentimental value to that, to those. Um, and kind of a somewhat similar thing happened with Dwayne where he was in the hospital for six weeks last November into December and during those six weeks his friend Jillian and I and Paige deep cleaned his apartment and got rid of so much stuff so this time with it, after him dying it wasn't it wasn't overwhelming it wasn't overwhelming like it was last year um now so what else so yeah so then after a person dies so when the hot when I got the call from the hospital on the 22nd from Cooley Dick that he was probably gonna pass that night they wanted to know if he had made funeral arrangements and and I said no because Dwayne didn't want to talk about dying and it just felt like giving up <laughs> um and <laughs> so but I knew he wanted to be cremated and he texted me, actually. And that was actually his very last text was, cremate me and dump some ashes on the mossy rock on Sylvester Road. That's where he grew up, his uncle's place by the, his family place on the bordering the Sawmill Hills. So the hospital wanted to know, okay, so what's going to happen to his body? Do you, are you, have you contracted with the funeral home or something like that? Uh, so then I was trying to figure out, the first page and I were like, why should we have to pay a funeral home? Like, why, like, why is it, how can you have to pay money when someone dies? Um, and so 
we looked into trying to pick up his body ourselves and do the death certificate and all that and take him to a crematory ourselves, but that just seemed too complicated and overwhelming given other things that we were trying to figure out in, in, in life and other constraints. But we did find um, the uh, link to... Anyway, we, we I called the Williamsburg Funeral Home because they had a listed price of $1,675, all-inclusive package to get someone cremated and, and you just contract with them and they do it all and bring you the ashes in a bag or box or whatever. So I uh, talked with Lenny from Williamsburg Funeral Home and uh, today, actually, today, November 10th, Lenny told me that he that, that Dwayne's being cremated today and I told him I said he's not gonna take up much space in the oven because the cancer pretty much ate him up to nothing but willpower um but the it I read that the average cost of a funeral if you don't just do the cheapest cremation route the average cost of a burial funeral I think is $8,000 or $7,800 something like that but even the cost of the cremation, the $1,700 roughly, like if he died, like if Dwayne died in the hospital and he's sitting in the morgue at Cooley Dick, like why, why, why would, why should anyone, why should I have to pay $1,700 to have him cremated? Like he's dead. Who cares? Um, just so I can, we can have his ashes back I think that's all it's about um so like what if I didn't you know cremate him or something then the state would pay that it's like well if the state makes these rules that you have to do certain things and pay a certain amount to deal with a dead body then the state can just go ahead and pay for it right that's how part of me feels but then then part of me also remembers when my friend Rock so Rock also known as James Freund uh he was a he was a uh, how would I say it? <laughs> it was a friend of mine that I met on the rail trail around 2010, 11, 12. Uh, uh, he was, he would be riding his bike around and barking. He had tattoos all over his head. He was a Vietnam vet and had a lot of PTSD from that, as well as from losing his only son like the year before. Um, but Rock and I kind of, we, we, we connected, but then he, he was kind of obsessed with me, so I had to take a step back the last year or so of his life. Didn't know it was the last year at that time, but then they he, he died from an alcohol-related seizure at his campsite by Taco Bell. And um, I remember Dwayne, Dwayne's brother Kevin told us that day, Kevin's told us that Rock had died at his campsite, and so Dwayne and I rode over there, and the police had their van... I guess their body picking up van parked over there behind the substation. And I walked over and I was like, did Rock die? I asked one of the officers and they said, they said, uh, we can't tell you anything. What does it look like? Um, but then afterwards I, I wanted, I wondered what would happen to Rock's body. Um, because we had also been close in, in our way. He had my name tattooed on the back of his neck, which he did not ask my permission for. But I kind of felt like, look, this man has my name on his neck. 
I should, I feel like I have some claim to his body because he didn't have any other relatives or friends, no friends or family to, to pick up his body or, or do that. And so he, I think Rock's body went to the, I want to say it went to the morgue in Holyoke and sat there for like four to six weeks. And I know I never claimed it. I wanted to, I would have, but I could not legally. And um, I don't know what it is about wanting to claim your loved one's body. Human beings are funny, emotional creatures like that. I don't know if it's cultural or, or something hardwired in us or what. So anyway, I arranged with the funeral home to do the culturally acceptable thing. And uh, the Cancer Connection actually is going to do a GoFundMe to raise, raise $2,000. It was $1,700 for the cremation and the obituary. I paid $317 for that obituary, to have the obituary printed. Um, it's $190 if you just do like the 210-word one, but I wanted to say a few more sentences. I think it was probably like another $40 a sentence or something like that. But you know what? I have no regrets. I wanted to say everything I said about Dwayne in that obituary, and I'm really glad that I could send it out and easily send it to my friends and family and his Facebook friends and blah, 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 and make a flyer out of it for the memorial. So we're going to have a memorial Sunday, day after tomorrow. That's the 12th of November, 2023. A memorial for Dwayne at Veterans Field in Northampton. That's where the skate park is also off of West Street, kind of by the Felt Building in Northampton Sunday at noon. I don't know what all we're going to do. I guess I'm supposed to kind of be in charge or something. People just hang out and, and schmooze and, you know, tell stories. And maybe I'll have a quote board where people can put their favorite Dwayne quotes. I, I probably wouldn't read any of those over the air because they're probably kind of vulgar, a lot of them. Except for ones where he's like, Ruthie, you have a voice. Use it. You know, because he had lost his and he was asking me to make phone calls for him and do things for him. Or he would say, to, people, to to someone working at Cans for Cancer when he's there like with his trach tube, with his GI tube on morphine, weighing like 50 pounds less than he should and someone said something, they couldn't do something and he was like I don't want to hear, I can't uh, now I, I don't know how Dwayne said that since he couldn't talk, but I very clearly hear him saying that, I think he must have written it on a note, maybe with some underlining, capital letters, exclamation marks something like that yeah, me and Jill and Kalia at Cancer Cancer always were were incredulous at how loud he could yell, despite not having a voice, especially when he was in pain. All right, so what's next? Um, I'll play another song, except for I don't have one lined up, so I'm going to go to Dwayne's, Dwayne's show here in a minute. Uh, after I quit babbling. But know what I'm, what I'm really going to say? <laughs> Play. I really am looking for the Bike Lab promo because there is a Bike Lab tomorrow. You want to learn to fix your bike? How to keep it tuned up so it's there for you when you need it? Or maybe you know already, but you just need to borrow a bike-specific tool that you don't have. 
Well, come to the bike lab. Almost every Saturday since 2004. From 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Here in Northampton at 12 Northern Avenue. Come with your bike or your questions. And your willing attitude. <laughs> Spare part scavenger hunt every weekend. Vengan al Bike Lab de Northampton, el taller de bicicleta. Aprende a arreglar tu bicicleta y a divertirte. All repairs guaranteed to the end of the driveway. Details are online at pedalpeople.coop. That's the Saturday Bike Lab at 12 Northern Avenue. They say freedom isn't free, but at the Bike Lab it is. Uh, so... One other thing I want to say before I go to my next clip in terms of thinking about grieving and stuff, I think one of the nicest things that someone, a friend of Dwayne's and mine said when I emailed him and told him that, or when he, I didn't email him, I told his wife when I saw her on State Street and then, and then Deb told George and George, his email said, I'm sure you will miss him for some time. That just sent me into a whole fit of crying. That was a really nice thing to say. Yeah. All right, so next on Out There, here on Valley Free Radio, we have, if I can get this dragged screen over, uh, I have an interview with Enrico from, when was this from? I don't know, we say. So it's Wednesday, November 8th, 2023. I'm on the rail trail coming back from Cans for Cancer and Valley Recycling. Actually, I noticed earlier today, there's some leaves that have been blown off the path. They're getting kind of heavy on the path right now. And coming back from, from Valley right now, I see a man walking along with a leaf blower in his hand. The tiniest little leaf blower I've ever seen. <laughs> What's your name? Enrico. Enrico. And I now see you have a jacket that says Bike Lane Uprising. That's suspicious. <laughs> What's that about? Uh, Bike Lane Uprising is a, a, a group, I believe they're based in Chicago, that uh, builds a database of uh, urban bike lanes uh, and tries to track, uh, you know, bike lanes that get blocked, bike lanes that aren't maintained, etc. Uh, in city areas. And they make a nice uh, windbreaker rain jacket, so I, I, I wear that around. <laughs> cool. Um, and what are you doing out here today? Uh, as, as you noted, I'm <laughs> trying to clear a little bit of the leaf matter that's out on the trails. Um, of course, around here, the trails aren't under any any regular maintenance you know everything's done by donors at the moment because it's we're still trying to get you know any like city or state involvement in uh, maintaining infrastructure out here so i'm uh, out here clearing leaf matter before it freezes down trying to get a bit more of it before it really mulches in and makes the surface much worse this winter for those of us who use this trail year round so do you use it like do you go go between east hampton and Northampton, or what, what's your use of it uh, all the time. Uh, I have a, a cargo bike, an electric cargo bike, that is my primary form of transportation. Mm -hmm. um, I try to avoid driving cars as much as possible, so this is a this is a key infrastructure route for me, uh -huh. uh, and for a lot of people. And you know, plenty of people commute along here regularly year round, uh, and just making this a usable in piece of infrastructure so that uh, you know those who do bike are not forced onto the main roads around here in, in the winter is key. Did you do this last year? I did a little bit of it last year in their bouts. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not in town all the time. I travel a lot for, for work, but when I'm in town, I try to come through seasonally and do this or do clearing when there's a heavy brush on the side of the, the trail or anything like that. So. Cool. Just because you love bikes as a transportation option or what? Uh, as I say, because I think it's a you know key transportation uh, infrastructure, and because I, I'm mostly just frustrated that it's not done not done uh, you know properly uh, by any other group. So uh, you know, uh, 
everyone chips in where they can along a lot of the trail. And, uh, you know, I know I'm not the only one who was out here doing these sometimes. So uh, just trying to make it a little bit more usable for myself and everyone. What kinds of other things do you see people out here doing? Uh, mostly, mostly just that kind of care, you know, a uh, little bit of uh, leaf work, tree, tree debris removal, you know, trimming when the uh, trail gets very over, overgrown in the winter, uh, in the yeah. summer mostly. I see someone cutting the multiflora rose out from between the fence, the wooden fence there mm -hmm. sometimes. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. That sort of work. <laughs> um, how'd you get into biking? Uh, I've I've been a primarily bike-based commuter for most most of my life. Um, I mean, I rode bikes uh, in school. Uh, lived in Boston for a number of years. I was part of the communities there heavily, and uh, did a lot of uh, advocacy work with infrastructure in that area. Um, and you know, got very used to having a lot of publicly maintained infrastructure for sure. Uh, so when I moved back out this way, it was uh, a priority for me to really help uh, try to get more people out of vehicles, onto bikes, onto buses, onto everything in this area, so. Um, do you know any more about like uh, people trying to organize the, the Manhattan Rail Trail to get it taken care of? Um, there, are, there are groups both in Northampton and in East Hampton area um, that are organizing for that sort of stuff. Um, the, uh, the East Hampton part of the trail specifically is actually completely maintained by the Manhattan Rail, tra uh, rail Committee down there. Uh -huh. um, and there is a push right now both to bring in more regular maintenance as well as to try and get you know city and state involvement in that maintenance i know yeah. well thanks for blowing the leaves off it's i um i was riding the path last night actually in a different part of the path but with oncoming traffic and a trailer with extra wide <laughs> wheels in the dark i'm like where is the edge of the path i really have no idea <laughs> yep yep Enrico, thanks Enrico. I, I cut Enrico some slack for using the leaf blower, you know, because he was just like volunteering as much as I hate leaf blowers. That's because he was doing like a, he must have been doing like a mile a path or something like that. Maybe I exaggerate. Half a mile. I don't know. It was a lot and he was by himself. So, and it was the tiniest little leaf blower I've ever seen. When I hear, when I, when, when I hear the, something about the, the manhand rail trail, he was, he was manhandling it. When I hear the manhand rail trail, I'm just, I just want to say, you mean the woman hand rail trail? Anyway, uh, next on out there, we have, oh, yes, yes, we have Max and Will. So it's Friday, November 10th. I was going down Route 9, trying to make sure everyone I saw who might know Dwayne knew about his memorial coming up on Sunday. And then I looked down Fair Street. There's my housemate Max and friend uh, Will collecting apples. Uh, yeah, what are y'all doing? Oh, collecting apples. Ah, I told the truth. <laughs> what are you exactly doing, Will? As you said, um, <laughs> I'm picking apart an apple uh, to eat it. Um, so it's November 10th. Are they, how are the apples? It's kind of late in the season, is it not? And plus, we had a couple of like like 25 24 25 27 degree mm. nights last week are they doing all right yeah it's very flavorful it kind of has there's like a peculiar quality to it that i'm, I'm not familiar with this is like um a, a new apple eating experience for me uh, do you normally glean apples or get them from like the farmer's market or store or what do you normally get apples these days i usually get them from the market um it's it's pretty convenient to get some apples and eat them <laughs> how about you max uh, this season I've been 
getting them a lot from like trees and gleaning directly. Um, yeah, like I was, I was living in Maine for a while this year, and um, there's one really great apple tree that was um, really close to my house. And the morning I'd get up, like go pee or go say hi to the other people, and I'd walk right by just a few yummy-looking apples freshly fallen on the ground overnight. And there'd be like half of my breakfast. It was great. Some people, when I tell them about gleaning, or if I ask if I can get pick apples from the tree in their yard, people sometimes say, how do you know it's safe? Have you ever gotten that question? Or what would you say to that? Well, I, I remember um, hearing about like some research that showed that um, even in areas where soil can be kind of polluted with like serious toxins to human health that trees bodies and are pretty good at filtering the water that comes into them and that like analysis of the chemicals in the fruit show that they like uptake very little or none of the toxins um, and which is really awesome although there's still I guess after that fact you know there's Pollution from cars exhaust maybe in the air could settle on the apples as they're growing or maybe if they fall onto a patch of grass or near a roadside they could get a little dirty from that too. But I guess I would hope that it's pretty surface deep you could take them home and wash them or peel them or something and probably the inside's still good. So I mostly feel okay about it as long as you're careful. What do you think Will? Just one couldn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my philosophy is kind of like the nutritional health benefits of a fresh, an extremely fresh piece of food has got to outweigh like any risks, especially compared to all the unknown and unseen risks and stuff that's old and shipped and it's been sitting around in stores and warehouses and things like that. I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> well, anyway. <laughs> Anything else? Uh, it's a beautiful day. Um, so you're, you're listening to the radio. After you're done, you should just take a step outside and experience that, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's all. Uh, I wanted to remark on uh, how many other types of creatures are clearly have been enjoying these apples out here. Looks like some little rodent nibble parts, and I saw a wasp eating from one of them, and some ants, and um, I also noticed that on the, the trunk of the tree there were some sapsucker holes from birds and other insects that have been feeding from the tree in other ways. It's clear that this apple tree provides for food for a lot of different guys out here. Thanks. Will and Max, you're listening to Out There on Valley Free Radio. I'm your host, Ruthie, and it's going to come back to Dwayne, <laughs> uh, my friend Dwayne. Uh, so I was on Union Street today, and what do I see but three turkeys, like pretty big turkeys. Two of them at least were pretty big. The third one may have been a little younger. And uh, I've got Dwayne's phone. There's one picture on Dwayne's phone, and they're of these no, I won't say these, but they're up three turkeys that looked awful similar. 
maybe turkeys are always in threes, but there were three turkeys that would were hanging out this fall in the courtyard, or they would wander through the courtyard of Cahill Apartments where Dwayne lived, and he would throw them peanuts out his window, and they would entertain them. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. They were just strolling through yards of Union Street today, eating seeds uh, and scratching a little bit, eating whatever they could find. Mm, uh, what else? I also, also want to mention the Triad program, which hopefully you'll hear more about soon. So uh, in cleaning Dwayne's apartment, there's some used medical equipment, which the sheriff's department at Hampshire County Jail, they run a program to collect used medical equipment and lend it out to people because sometimes it can be expensive or complicated to get insurance to pay for it. I'll have more information about that soon when I actually do make a connection. I talked with or someone, I played phone tag with someone, and they said, yeah, if you've got used medical equipment, just put it out for us to tell us what it is and where it is, and we can come pick it up. More will be revealed. I'd really like to figure out a way to have them come to Valley Recycling to cans for cancer, which is right next to the scrap metal dumpster, which is where people throw their walkers and and walkers and more walkers, lots of walkers, lots of nice aluminum walkers come through there going into scrap metal. i got to figure out how to divert those. Thanks for listening today to Out There. You can hear archived editions of Out There at weatherbeard.com slash out there. And Democracy Now! comes up at 5 o'clock. The very first show I ever did on Out There in 2014 was a live interview with Dwayne Rainey. And that is on the archive if you wanted to... Actually, that is not on weatherbeard.com slash out there. You know, there's a link to it. There is a link to it. And as I said before, the memorial for Dwayne will be... Or a memorial for Dwayne. Who knows? There could be many of them. But the one that I'm working on planning now... Well, the one that I've scheduled. I don't know if I'm actually going to do much planning. Okay, it's Sunday, November 12th at noon at Veterans Field. Um, Everyone's invited. And feel free to bring any, if you have any pictures of Dwayne or any favorite quotes or, uh, you know, stories, all that kind of thing, please come. I'm not sure what they'll be in terms of anything else except for people and meet friends and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I want to play a, a song to go out. Uh, stay tuned. I mean, for Democracy Now! Yes.
是什么？